Parsha Themes is for inspired people like you who are looking for engaging and relevant Parsha and Moedim thoughts. Our weekly discussions focus on uplifting thoughts and actionable ideas that will upgrade your Avodah Hashem and enhance your Shabbos and Yantav table. I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Tropper, and it's an honor to have you with me here today. Welcome to Parsha Themes, Parsha's Toldos, and we're focusing on the Ramban right now. Uh, we have many, many great stories going on in the life of the Avos and the lessons we can learn, and the Ramban is very generous in his commentary. So we're in Perak Chafhei, Pasuk Chafbeis. Pasuk says that uh, Rivka was pregnant with twins in her stomach, and she was very confused by what was going on. Like we know from Rashi, there was a lot of uh, kicking and banging by the church, which we know was Esav, and uh, by the base of Batei Avodazara, and we know that uh, Yaakov was trying to get out in the Batei Madrashim. And so the question is, the Pasuk says, Vatomer imkein lamaza anochi, and she, Rivka asked, why do I have to go through this? What, what's going on? And she went to go seek Hashem. And so Rashi brings down um, that Imkain, what does that mean? If so, what does that mean? So if being pregnant is so painful, why did I daven for this? Why did I want to be pregnant? However, the Ramban says that it's Iker Chaser Manasefer. It doesn't say that in the Pasuk. What does that mean? So he doesn't like Rashi's shot. And then Ram Ibn Ezra says that uh, Rivka consulted with her friends. She asked the other women and says, "Have you ever, and asked them, have you ever had such pain like this when you were pregnant? This is, this is just not normal. And um, so Lama Ze'anochi means, uh, why is this happening to me in such a strange way that you other people have not experienced? But again, the Ramban says that this is not really explicit in the Pusik. So therefore, the Ramban translates it as Im Kain, if I have this much pain, Lamaza Anochi, why did I daven? Why am I even in existence? So Lamaza Anochi means, why am I even alive? This is so much pain, and it's better off that I wouldn't be here. And when we think about what the Ramban is saying, does he mean to say that one of the most Rifka was saying that? Uh, I, I shouldn't exist? How could she say that? And now, the first thing is we have to understand that when people are in pain, Einandam Nitfas al a person is not held responsible for things that they say. But when we think about it a little bit deeper, and we put all these Purushim together, uh, what was really being said was, we know that in the Gemara in Brachos, Lamed Aleph and Beis, Chana says to Hashem, Rebbeinu Shalom, I, I can't have children, but what's the point? You, you gave me a body, I want to be able to use it for Torah and mitzvahs, for bringing children into this world, for doing great things. And so I, if I only exist to serve you, and I'm not fulfilling that purpose, then how could you just leave me like this and not allow me to fulfill that purpose? And we know that this was a very big taina, and in that tzachus, she actually had Shmuel, Hanavi, her son. And so the precedent for this is probably what's going on over here. Rivka was saying, Rebunah Shalom, I want to serve you. But if I have a son or a child in there who's serving, a, interested in Avodah Zarah, that's not, there's no purpose of living for that. That's not, that's not why you created me. You didn't create me to bring a destructive and negative force into this world. And if you think about it, really, uh, it's interesting because the Ramban says, Vatel Chudus Hashem, uh, the Pashup shot is not that she went to shame and Aver to ask a question, like Rashi says, but that it means, like the Ramban says, that Derisha Eitzel Hashem, when we turn to Hashem, that means tefillah. It always means to daven. This was her prayer that she had between her and God. And when we think about it, Lamaza Anochi, all the Mepharshim, the Rashi, Ebenezer, and the Ramban are all explaining Rivka's essence. Rashi was saying, there was so much pain. Why did I daven? Anochi is, why did I invest my heart and soul into davening in order to get pregnant. 
Well, the answer is I, I daven so that I should have a healthy child and a spiritually healthy child and a, and a growth-oriented child. And so that, that's what Rashi's reading in the Pusik. And the Evan Ezra is saying, this is a different type of pregnancy than all other pregnancies. And so, again, Lamaza Anochi Hashem, why are you making this different? And the Ramban ties it all together and says, Rubana Shalom, why do I exist if I'm not bringing an Ovid Hashem into this world for you? Because that is my entire desire. Very fascinating. That is what I live for. We're in Parak Chafhei, Pasuk Lama Dalad, Esav insulted the firstborn rich right. So the Ramban here has many, many fascinating comments about this whole relationship between Yitzchak and Esav and how to understand the dynamic and uh, why Yitzchak fell for Esav and what he, what, whether he was um, fooled by him or he didn't understand. And the Ramban writes that, you know, of course, the father loves his firstborn child and it's pretty natural and understandable. Um, and that he felt that Yitzchak, that Yitzchak felt that Esav was being scrupulous in his speech and not using Shem Shemayim because it was an extra chumrah that he didn't want to uh, say Hashem's name in a place that might be dirty or inappropriate. Um, and what's fascinating is that Yitzhak asks for Esav to bring him food so that he could give him a blessing. Now, Rabban explains two fascinating things, that Yitzhak wanted to be Nana from Esav, or from the one that he was giving a bracha to, we'll see ultimately was really Yaakov, because when you bring me the food, I want to be able to feel a, a elation in my body and so then I will have a more generous spirit and be able to give you some of that blessing. And another shot is that when I eat, it, it brings me a simcha and it inspires me and I'm going to get my Ruach HaKodesh, which I need, to give you a bracha benavua. Like the Pasuk says that in Malachim, that when the person played the instrument, then the Navi was able to have nevua because music makes a person happy. And I saw that Rav Shem Pinkus brings down, based on this Ramban and based on these Pesukim, that one of the sources for a kiddush, when we make a kiddush for anything, any celebration, but especially for a daughter or a child that's born, um, is so that people will come and they'll be nena, they'll eat. And of course, the zechus, the brachos that they make on the food will stand for the child, but also that they will be able to feel good and the body will be stimulated so that the mind and the spirit can be stimulated as well and they could give an even more willing and more generous bracha. And for this reason, uh, when I come to a kiddush, I always try to say mazel tov to the person just to say, hello, I'm here. But I, I, I try to make sure to, after partaking in the kiddush and getting inspired and getting uplifted, then to go over and to give a bracha. Just like we learned from Yitzhak that when we have a full stomach, we give a better blessing and we all feel that emotional charge. Very, very important. Moving a little further into the parsha, Parashat Pasuk Hey. So we have an interesting question, which is that... The Ramban asks, how could the Avos do things that seems like it was going against the Torah? So, for example, Yitzhak put up a matzeva, which is something that the Torah prohibited, or more importantly, he married two sisters, which the Torah prohibits. We know that Rachel and Leah were sisters. So why, how could he do this? And the Ramban it gives this answer. Many, many Rishonim give other answers, and we'll talk about another Mahalich as well, which might be related, um, or might be its own Mahalich. And that is that the Avos kept the entire Torah, like, that they weren't mitzavah, Hashem never commanded them to keep it, but they elected to keep it. However, this was only in Eretz Yisrael. But when it was in Chutzlar, when they were in Chutzlar, they did not keep the Torah and the mitzvahs fully. Now, what does that mean? So that means that, uh, and the Ramban himself explains, that one of the reasons that Rachel died 
on the way when they were going from Chutzlaretz back to Eretz Yisrael was because when they were to arrive in Eretz Yisrael, he couldn't be married to two sisters anymore because that's where they elected to keep all the Torah and the mitzvahs. And so the other shot brought down is from the Nefesh Chaim. And the Nefesh Chaim is probably based on this Ramban and probably just explains it another step forward. And he says that normally in today's world, after Matan Torah, and we got the Torah and the mitzvahs, so we, we never have an excuse to not follow the Torah and the mitzvahs, and the ends does not justify the means. However, when it came to the Avos, the ends did justify the means, meaning that if there was a reason that they saw that it made sense for them to not keep the Torah, and they were in Chutzlaretz, then they were able to take that allowance. And therefore, if we look at all the things that the, the Avos did, although Ramosha Feinstein also has a, has a tshuva directly explaining why, why Yaakov was allowed to marry two sisters, and there are many other Mepharshim that explain all the other apparent things that seem to be incorrect. Um, and they're fascinating, and you can look them up. We're not going to discuss them today. But the, the basic idea of the Ramban, that, which you could combine with the Chaim Velazhin's uh, thesis, is that whenever the Avos were keep, keeping the Torah, it was in Eretz Yisrael, um, and outside of Eretz Yisrael, if there was something that they felt the ends justified the means, because they saw, either with Ruach HaKodesh or with Nevuah, that they were supposed to act a certain way, and that there was a purpose in it, um, then that's what they followed. Just an interesting idea to look at, conceptualize the Avos' Shmuras Torah and Mitzvos. All right, so we have a very interesting Ramban in Parach of Zion, Pasuk Dalad, which basically the Ramban asks that, wait a minute, um, why didn't Rivka just tell, just tell Yitzhak, her husband, that, hey, uh, Esav is an evil son, and Yaakov is the correct son that you need to bless, and he's the tzaddik. So the Ramban says that Rivka had found out that message, Alpi Nevoah, when she was Vatel Chidrus Hashem. And the Ramban writes a couple of fascinating things. So he writes that it was Derech Musar and Sneas. Ramban says that when Rivka originally went to ask Shem this question, when she went to be Vatelech Lidrosh as Hashem, to seek out Hashem, she went to Shem to ask him what was going on. And the Ramban says that she went without the permission of Yitzchak, which is a very um, interesting comment. And we have to ask ourselves, why did she do that? Um, and if we think about it, you know, it could be that she felt that uh, she didn't want to tell Yitzhak about the confusion that was going on inside of her. Maybe she felt like she was to blame because of her family background. Or We're not here to psychoanalyze the Avos and the Imos. And uh, Chazal don't tell us any criticism about it. We, we know that the Netziv uh, has his comment here, as well as Roshan Shafal Hirsch, which was given even more attention for controversy. Just explaining, and again, not to get into it, to... We're trying to remain with mainstream thought. But the idea is that uh, perhaps there was some uh, communication uh, dynamic here that, that uh, was, was at play. And this is something that's discussed by the Nitziv on the Pasuk Vatipal Malagamal in the original introduction that uh, Yitzhak and Rivka have. And also the Rosham Shafal Hirsch has a very large amount of uh, writings on this as well. And the bottom line is that um, whether you say it's just in Mikriyotsumide Pshuto, there's just a Pashat reading, like we've talked about in the past, how to understand it, or, uh, you know, we certainly are not coming to say anything disparaging about the Avos and Imos, but the Natsiv does write about um, this dynamic that um, Sarah and, uh, and Rachel were both comfortable um, sparring with or going back and forth with Avraham and Yaakov, whereas we find that Rivka is always silent and uh, there was perhaps some element of fear there that that uh, was never really overcome. It's just an interesting idea. Um, but the Ramban continues here as well in another shot um, and says that 
another calculation that, that Rivka might have had is that she said, well, he's a Navi as well, and if Hashem wanted him to know, then I'm sure he would have told him as well. Additionally, the third shot the Ramban seems to focus on is that Rivka was a tremendous maimon in Hashem. And she said, listen, I'm going to let it run its own course. Um, if I say to Yitzchak, hey, you need to bless um, Yaakov, and he might not listen because I know that he loves Esav and is focused on him. But what might happen is, uh, what ended up happening is that Yitzchak was able to give a full-hearted blessing thinking that he was giving the blessing to Esav, but in fact he was giving it to Yaakov. And so there's a certain benefit that way that Hashem orchestrated it that way. And Rivka said, Hashem runs the show, and I, and I have be talking that Hashem will uh, allow it to run. Now, if you think about this, it's interesting because there has to be a balance, because at the same time, Rivka does intervene in the sense that she tells her son, Yaakov, to go you know, dress in Esav's clothing and bring him food. So there is, there is an element of doing Hishtalis as well. But the bottom line is that every person has to decide what their uh, level of Hishtalis is. And we find that, for example, later on in the Torah, Parshas Miketz, that Yosef was punished for asking the Sarha uh, Ofim, the baker, to remember him, for asking the Sarha Mashkim, uh, the butler, to remember him. And you might say to yourself, well, one second, Yosef had interpreted his dream and uh, impressed him and showed him about the Rebbe Shalom, so he was doing his Hishtalus. And the answer of the Medrash is very simple. The Medrash says that, yes, Yosef did the right thing. That was Hishtalus. However, when you do Hishtalus in your heart, you have to know that Hashem is the only one that delivers. And so the complaint against Yosef was um, that instead of focusing totally on Hashem and saying, okay, this is a shliach of Hashem, there was some element of focusing on this person. And that's why it says, um, the Medrash quotes the Pasuk that says, Asher Geber, Asher Sam Hashem Iftacho, Velopana El Rahavim Vishate Kazab. It's a Pasuk in Tehillim, uh, capital Mem, Pasuk He. And it means, praiseworthy is the man that relies totally on Hashem. He puts his reliance on Hashem and doesn't turn to false and worthless sources. And so that was a tie against Yosef. And so it's the same thing with Rivka. In her heart, she knew it was Hashem. And that was the entire hishtalis that she was doing. It was all knowing that the Rebbe Shalom is going to orchestrate this and it's going to work out the exact way that it needs to. And that's exactly what happened. And there was a certain element that Yaakov had to show his father that he was crafty and he wasn't just an ishtam and he was actually able to be worldly as well. And to be able to steal the brachas, which is what, according to some of Farshim, actually convinced Yitzhak that Gam Barachiyah, that this was the correct thing. I had thought that Yaakov was not uh, able to interact with the world and that Esau would have to do it for him and he would be the Zavulan and Yaakov would be the Yisachar. But I see that Yaakov could do both. Yaakov could live in both worlds. So that's just a fascinating thought. The last thought I want to leave off with is one that's very dear to my heart. Very fascinating concept. In Parat Chavzayin, Pasuk Chavtes, the Ramban brings this Pasuk. It says, Arorcha Aror. People that curse you will be cursed, and those that bless you will be blessed. And he points out, first of all, that by Bilam it's the exact opposite. Here in our Pasuk, it puts those that curse you first and those that bless you second. But by Bilam it actually says, those that bless you will be blessed, and those that curse you will be cursed. So what's going on? So the Ramban makes a comment here, which is very fascinating. And he says that Sadikim, they begin with Yisurim and they end with Shalva. And so for the Sadik, Yaakov, where it's referring to him, so it talks about the R first, the curses that he gets in life, and the, the pain and trouble that he gets in life. That comes first. Those are Tchilas and Yisurin. Life starts with challenges. But so from Shalva at the end, the Olam Haba and the resolution and the Amunah Bitachan and Hashem, 
that's that's what they end up having. But by the uh, Rishaim, but like Bilam, so you have Mivarech Baruch. Yeah, he he lives it up in this world, but the end it's Aruch There's a tremendous amount of cursing and a tremendous amount of punishment that comes to him. The one question that Ramban asks is that, well, according to my pshat, which is a very beautiful pshat, um, what about by Avraham? By Avraham it says, Earlier on in the Torah, it says that, I will bless those that bless you, and I will curse those that curse you. And so he says, the Ramban says that this is not a kasha, because it ends up saying, that you'll be a blessing. And so therefore it ends up that there's a bracha at the beginning, and at the end. And this is a little different than here, where there's only one blessing and only one curse mentioned. And so for the tzaddik, it talks about how life is challenging first. It mentions the or the curse first, and then it goes on to the baruch. But by a Russia, whenever it's mentioning the two, it always puts the blessing first because they live it up in this world, but ultimately it leads to curse and punishment. So I want to explain this Ramban a little bit deeper according to the way I understand it. And that is the following. That even with the tzaddik who goes through life, and has these Yisurin and challenges in life, the, the errors of life, the curses, and the challenges that Hashem sends His way. Like we find by David Hashem Amar Lekal David. So Hashem told Shemitah to, to curse me. Those curses and challenges in life, they come with recognition, though, that the path that I'm going towards is the right path. And the fulfillment that we get spiritually, even though we're getting cursed and even though there are challenges, is still in place. And so there's a certain element that really every tzaddik starts off with the, with the focus of bracha. I know Hashem is a bracha. I know Hashem is going to give me the good. And so for Avraham Avinu's journey, it had to start off with, with a blessing. I will bless those who bless you because that's really what it is. The, the tzaddik gets that wink from Hashem and knows that he's on the right path. And then life comes. There's challenges in life that Hashem sends us for Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, and for all of us individually. There's no such thing in, in, in Olam Hazza. There's challenges to make us greater. But at the end, it's the, the, the ultimate blessing arrives. And so that, that's an important thing to recognize, that even in the Ur, the Tzadik could find the Baruch, even in the challenges, the Tzadik could find the, the, the blessings. And we don't always see it, but we know that the Rebona Shalom is taking care of us. I want to end with a story which is very, very dear to my heart. It's about Ramosha Feinstein, our family's Rebbe and my, my Rebbe, uh, Ryan Greenblatt's Rabbi Muvak as well. So Ramosha was stuck in the Soviet Union and him and his family were trying to get out and thankfully they did and they ended up rebuilding in America in an amazing way. But there's a story that happened right before he escaped and the persecution was getting greater and greater each day and it was very difficult to get exit visas and um, Ramosha had to slip into Moscow and was trying to uh, do behind-the-scenes actions to be able to get his family out, which ultimately he did. And there was one day where uh, he was very, very involved with his mission, and he got back very late, but he said to himself, I need to learn. I have to learn Torah. And so he was studying, in the, he sat down to study in the local base medrash, and um, he became so engrossed in his learning that it was way past midnight, and he looked up at his safer, and he realized that he couldn't go back to the household that he was boarding at because he was, gonna, he was afraid he was going to wake someone. And so at a consideration for... for uh, his hosts, he stayed in the shul learning the rest of the night. And the next morning, he was greeted with incredible news. In the middle of the night, the secret police had raided all the homes because they had heard that there were illegal immigrants who had been in the city. And by by the fact that he didn't return to his, his lodging, so he had escaped this discovery and this arrest. And ultimately, he ended up escaping. This kind of reminds us of a story of a Rakiva in Tynus, where again, all these bad things happened to him, and my rooster is dead, and the fire... 
but really all that was happening was that Hashem was saving him so that he shouldn't be heard and spotted by the enemies who were plunging the city. And so even in the Yisurim that the Tzadikim have, they could recognize that there's a Baruch, that the Rebun Shalom is taking care of me. And that's how we live our life with that Amuna, that Hashem is taking care of us, and that ultimately He's leading us towards Baruch in the most deep and important way. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for joining us. For more Torah content and to make sure you never miss an episode, don't forget to subscribe and visit us at parshathemes.com.